What's up, guys? This is Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast. Today, I'm joined by two special guests across the map, Miyabi and Andrew of Real Isolates and Smoking All. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing excellent. Thank you for having us, Mitch. And hello to everybody on the internet. What's up? <laughs> awesome. I'm stoked to have you guys on here because, you know, I know through our, our previous conversations, we bonded over the love smoking cannabis uh, and, and the, the magic powers that be. Obviously, there's a lot of consumption methods around that. And you guys have a very unique approach um, to harnessing the power and the experience of smoking cannabis through not smoking cannabis, through the smoke and all extraction methods. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about that a little bit more. But before we get started on that, I'm going to start with Miyabi. Uh, sitting right next to me, and then we'll, then we'll get to you, Andrew. What is your guys' origin story with cannabis? Every guest I have come on here, I always kick it off with their origin story around the plant, plant being cannabis. So, Miyabi, curious, kind of your your origin story, whatever you feel, uh, choose to be vulnerable sharing with, with the audience uh, of your journey wow. with cannabis. My first time smoking weed was on the side of a hill in the bushes. I was 15, and it changed my life. It was definitely the quietest and calmest and like it and without like overstatement it was like a moment in my life that made it clear that like i could continue existing without i'm not going to go into the dark depths of like you know depression and all of these other things about like past and history we can like leave that for another time but um you know i was really struggling and cannabis lifted me up into a different place. It maybe not lifted me up. Maybe it changed my perspective on my brain. It provided me with a type of relief that, um, you know, drove me to obsession. I became obsessed with cannabis. I certainly used cannabis probably very, very heavily. Didn't know it was medical or medicinal um, throughout, you know, from, from the moment that I very first started smoking weed uh, all the way up through then later on in my life when I was on a bunch of psychopharmaceuticals and gave them up for medical cannabis and was able to wean off of all of them and have been using only medical cannabis since then, which, you know, for each their own, everyone has something that works for them and that works right. And if you have found something that works for you and that is helping you, that's what's really important. Uh, for me, cannabis works better than, you know, I was on a cocktail of different types of psychopharmaceuticals and they were making me far worse. And cannabis was just like, it was better from before I even started taking pharmaceutical medications. And realistically, I probably should have continued to use medical cannabis instead. Um, but there was just a stigma associated with it. And in addition to that, I was a college athlete. So you sign a, you sign away a bunch of, <laughs> of things. And one of the things is that you can't use cannabis. And so, you know, when that happened, then I healed and I was very interested in the pharmacology of that. And that's what led me to get my PhD studying the system in the brain that interacts with cannabis. So I could understand and explain, you know, why this medicine worked better for me than what was supposed to, or, you know, the other, the other medications, the pharmaceuticals. And I would be lying if I didn't say that I went into my PhD trying to like cure myself to like discover another pharmaceutical, like, I went into my PhD thinking like, I'll discover something that I can take that's like a pill version of cannabis that will fix me and amend me. And, you know, the more I started learning about the brain and the more I learned about cannabis, 
um, the more I realize that there's not, there's not necessarily anything wrong with me. First of all, like I don't need to be fixed. I need a quality of life. And that cannabis is a beautiful plant with hundreds of beautiful molecules. And we don't need, well, at least in my opinion, I'm no longer searching for, for that. And that's when Andy and I met, we bonded. Sorry, let me tell Andy, will tell his origin story. But <laughs> when, Andy and I, when Andy and I met, you know, what we bonded over immediately was that part of cannabis, you know, that beauty of the flower and the living thing that provides these like this relief that is very unique. And actually it, it's unique from person to person. And it, and it goes across huge uh, different like variations of people with chronic conditions and it, it helps us. So um, that was something that we bonded over and yeah, now go all the way back to when you started. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, so while I definitely enjoy cannabis medicinally and just for fun, I started out definitely just for fun. Freshman year of high school, I was a big music guy. I used to go to a lot of concerts and stuff. Exposed to cannabis at every single show that I went to, obviously. You can smell it. You can see people sparking it up. I was interested. Also, we all share, you know, I know, Mitch, you do at least, you know, actually the three of us do and, and millions of other people share love for music and cannabis and music go hand in hand big time. Mm -hmm. But the first time I ever smoked weed, which was my consumption method of choice and the only one that I knew about at the time, uh, before, uh, before a lacrosse game in high school, me and my friends went down to Bedford House of Beef and met some dude out back and bought weed in a brown paper bag, smoked it up before the game, laughed, laughed, just throughout the whole game, had a great time. And then uh, we listened to Dane Cook for the first time. And that was like when he was becoming famous with his comedy. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just couldn't stop laughing and smiling. And I realized like, wow, everybody in the whole high school are like way more close and friendly with each other when everyone is burning one. So mm -hmm. kind of became a social thing, which then later, you know, I found out that I've got some medical issues that I was medicating the whole time. And that's probably why I loved it so much, but without a doubt, social music, just getting together with friends and having a good laugh, that, that kind of thing. Origin story would be Bedford house of beef. Shout out to Bedford house of beef. My first bag, <laughs> brown paper bag side of the and, hill Orange and my health. junior beef with, with sauce, <laughs> the junior beef with the, with the sauce. That's, that's funny. So what now that we got the personal origin stories, I'm curious, curious, the origin story, obviously you guys have a research company and you have a couple different companies and brands and products underneath that. So I'm curious, obviously there was that fascination in learning and Miyabi shared that just learning about more about cannabis and what it does for the, for the body, the mind. What was the origin story of like smoking all of, and like even going down that route? So from my, my understanding, obviously like, is that you know when you eat cannabis it, it interacts with your body a different way than smoking and so i know you got i'll let you guys explain it much better than me but you guys started on this journey of exploring i think a why and how scientifically and then why and how you could or, or how you could take that you know that that experience and transfer it into other ways so i don't want to try and explain it i'll, I'll leave that up to to this the scientists so i'm curious just that the origin of smoking all so when we first met up, it was kind of soon after your diagnosis, right? It was yep. relatively, um, it was relatively soon after that. And we were talking a lot about specific mechanics, like, um, you know, Andy is a business degree, but as curious scientist mind, like a hundred percent. And I don't, I also don't believe that even though 
Um, I am a trained scientist or I have my PhD. There's, you know, there's different steps that you go along to learn how to become and, and do scientific theory. But for the most part, I find that many cannabis users, in fact, just like in general, many people who alter their perspective or alter their minds, period, are very scientific and very curious. And I think that's like probably the biggest indicator. And we were, we went down deep rabbit holes. We'd burn one, you know, just be talking about like, well, why, you know, why this and why that? And then a lot of these questions, if you were to ask like why cannabis helps with something, there is a theoretical explanation for why at the molecular level. Um, it exists. It's not for sure. I can't say, oh, with certainty, this is why cannabis decreases my hypersensitivity. With certainty, this is why cannabis helps with your neuropathy. We can't say it with certainty, but we can say that there is tons of evidence behind it. So that was where we were originally bonding. And, you know, because we were bonding, you know, smoking, we were talking a lot about that and about what is different about it and why is it so special? Strain specificity. We originally started talking about dry and cure. Um, conditions and the origin of the research comes down to just actually one experiment, which I'll let you take. What, just the, our, our first the, experiment. The origins of smoke and all? Yeah, that first experiment. Well, so yeah, obviously we prefer smoking and we were gathering a lot of uh, consumer data in the Massachusetts market. Just curiosity, trying to help some local businesses understand their, their customer base a little better. And without a doubt, every time we did a survey, a majority of people, like way over 70% every time, preferred the effects of smoking. And we prefer the effects of smoking, and it's great, and we could tell you how amazing it is for all of our personal reasons. But for me, I was experimenting with a lot of CBD products at this time because, as Miyabi mentioned, in the spirit of awareness, it's Shark Omari Tooth Awareness Month. I've got a rare neurological disease called hereditary neuropathy with liability to pressure palsy. And it's a mouthful, but I was experimenting with CBD and stuff because I never really tried it before. I mean, I was always smoking weed. So I'd used a bunch of products and I didn't have really a ton of relief, but we bought a ton of CBD isolate to experiment with and I was dabbing it. And I noticed when I dabbed the CBD isolate, I felt an immediate feeling, uh, not high per se, but a, a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel that when I was eating it. I could eat like a whole gram of that stuff and I just really wouldn't feel anything. But we took my dab rig into the lab and said, let's, you know, we created the filter first and that's our special, you know, our special uh, invention. And we brought our, we brought my dab rig into the lab and, you know, threw a, a big old dab of CBD isolate in there, burned it through the, the lung that we call it, our, our special filter and CBD isolate confirmed on all of our analytical equipment, which is just one of the hundred plus compounds that are cannabinoids in the plant that we know about turned into 18 different cannabinoids. So that's before it's even getting into your lungs. It's transforming that much. So that was our light bulb moment to say, all right, if one single cannabinoid in the plant is transforming at that rate, what's happening to all the other compounds, terpenes, cannabinoids, whatever, you name it, there's something going on here. So that was our, that was our light bulb moment. And the company was born from that. And we basically have just been, you know, working on the method and, and more research uh, about all the different types of products. I mean, we've smoked anything that you can think of, uh, other plants as well, to understand what's changing about them. And that was the the basis and the foundation for, for our research and how we brought this to market as a commercial method. It turns out it was for research, but it's a great production method. 
it yields very well and it's super simple and easy. There's no specialty like degree or experience level needed to burn stuff in an like oven baking cookies. and capture it in a filter. It's really simple. So that's how this, this whole thing kind of started just burning CBD isolate and capturing it and saying, Whoa, that changed a lot. And that changed just like to, to explain maybe like why I think it's the change is significant because we are all already doing every single person who smoked flour or dabbed or vaped, even dry herb vaping versus concentrate vaping. Every single person who is inhaling other than, I don't know if the inhalers are on the market yet. Cause they're, I, I don't know, someone will do it. But um, if you're applying heat and if you're applying heat, uh, a temperature, even as low as like 200 degrees Fahrenheit, 300 degrees Fahrenheit, relatively low temperatures, you are going to be having at the very least partial transformations. Which means that the molecules that are going into your body when you are smoking, especially smoking, but also dryer vaping or concentrating or dabbing, you are changing those molecules into something different. And you're taking in a new, like a combination of all those things. And that is why smoking can have such unique effects. And there are beneficial effects that are strain specific that we have not been able to harness or to understand in a different way. Um, and on, honestly, like enviously, um, there are advantages to edibles. There are huge advantages to mm -hmm. edibles. They last for a longer amount of time. They're extremely discreet. They don't smell at all. Um, mostly jealous about how long they last. Like the, they will last for a very long time versus smoking is much shorter. Like I think five times shorter. And it would be great if you could harness those effects or get more balanced effects out of edibles because they do, it does feel different from smoking and that people preferring smoking has to do with, yes, like there's immediate onset, there's that advantage. But for the most part, there is published literature that shows that medical patients, I, I believe this was done over 10 years ago, medical patients in California, but that um, people prefer the effects. And I know at least like within our team that, there are specific effects and like a gentleness and or just like variation that comes from mm -hmm. smoking and that everyone, not everyone, but if you're experienced with flour, you find flour that you like. Different people like different types of flour. Why is that? And it's because when you have those different types of flour, like for example, like I was just saying, like I like tangy, like citrusy type things, like that combination of like the terps and the flour with the cannabinoids plus the heat leads to a formulation that's very different from like the heavy, cheesy, gassy stuff. And it might not even be the terps and the cannabinoids. It could be any of that combination of like the hundreds of things that are in the flour that then get heated. And, you know, we're passionate about looking into that because there are unique benefits to cannabis and to cannabinoids um, that we don't yet understand. And in terms of how that goes on to interact with our body and in our brains, it is very different when you have more than one thing. Anyone who's taken CBD with THC together understands that because those mm -hmm. are just two molecules, let alone like hundreds and, and hundreds. Well, let's, let's ask you a question. So we're not going to just talk the entire time, but do you have a preference for a smoking method? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely smoking uh, blunts. You know, that, that's that's probably my my most preferred way. Obviously, I'll, I'll I'll take it any way I can get it. But yeah, I, ideally, I'm smoking blunts. That's right. You're a backwoods guy, right? Yeah, I, I don't like to admit that with pride, but yes. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I'm a I'm a swisher. I'm a swisher and a cheap. I'm a cheap date. I've been called a cheap date like multiple. 
Well, I ask because for you or anybody that's curious, and maybe this is a question that someone had right away when we were talking about the dab, but the way you smoke also creates different types of transformation. So a bowl, like if you notice that it feels different in any way, mm -hmm. uh, ripping a bong or doing a gravity hit or smoking a joint or a blunt, they produce different chemical profiles, even with the exact same input material. So if you took your favorite flower and you put it into all those different devices, you are going to get slight, I mean, in some cases, slight differences, but in some very significant, like a blunt, for example, tobacco, I was going to say a joint is the most chemically yeah. diverse uh, way to smoke, but a blunt, we haven't done that in our system yet, but I'd imagine that it is more transformation because of the tobacco. Or just like adding additional things in. Like now there are uh, people who roll with like lavender. And like I usually put, if I put like lavender or rose or mint or something, I usually put it in the crutch, like mm. uh, towards the back of it. Cause I don't really enjoy like burning it with the flower, but I sure. do enjoy like the terps in there. But um, I have seen people putting those, like mixing it in with the flower. That's an additional change. Uh, when you have like little, if you have like a bubbler or a bong, then you have water filtration. Bongs and steamrollers have concentration. You concentrate the smoke in the neck before you um, clear it, right? So there are all these differences. Uh, in addition to like hemp wicks, like hemp wicks are lower temperature. Yeah. Uh, they burn at a lower temperature than like a butane lighter. Um, and yeah, joints, like my preferred method is just joints. Like uh, they're, they have the ember and then they have the area behind it. And then you're constantly pushing mm -hmm. the ember up the joint. I mean, same with, same with blunts, but um, there, are, there are differences and you, you take in, you know, different, um, combinations of these molecules and it's, it's one of the reasons why it's different. I mean, there's also like, there's also differences in doses. It's, it would be really, really difficult to get something exactly comparable, um, from one to the next. But I think a good example of that, that's easy to understand is dryer vaporizing because uh, it feels distinctively different, at least in my, in my opinion, dryer mm -hmm. vaporizing is like very, very different. And then what's left over after you finish dry or vaping and there's like that it's like a light brown thing yeah. you can eat that and it feels insanely awesome like in my opinion i like love abv you, as just an eat, it, you eat it raw or you bake with it no you i mean you can bake with it i put it in chili before okay. too like just like dumped it in chili but like it doesn't need to be decarbed because it's already been like mm -hmm. vaped um and like at the temperatures that you're vaping it at in theory, there's like minimal THC left, but what is left over on the flower is additionally transformed molecules that then you eat and it feels great. I mean, in my opinion, I haven't had ABV edibles in a while because I haven't had like access to like, I don't I don't like to dry herb vape, so I don't like create it. I gotta find someone else who creates it who doesn't wanna, <laughs> who doesn't wanna yeah, eat who, it. Who um, wants to, yeah, wants to get rid yeah. of it. And, that, and that's so unique too, because you know, we often talk about consumption methods based on the experience, right? Like I like smoking, like as much as I enjoy an actual blunt in my hand and whatever, you know, the high that I may get from it. I like the experience of like breaking down the weed by hand, rolling it up. Like where, whereas I much prefer, like if, I, if you ask me what's my preferred, a blunt that I'm going to roll. Like, I don't want you to hand me a oh, blunt. Yeah. I want to, it's not that I'm God's greatest gift to rolling blunts and I roll the, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good, but it's not that I roll the, you know, the best blunt in the world, but it's just that experience is combined into it. But like when you said the difference between bongs and blunts, I know people that are like hardcore bong smoke, bong smokers that like a blunt will wreck them and adversely yep. people that could smoke, sit down, smoke a quarter ounce, half ounce of flour and blunts 
and be manageable, go take one fat rip off a bong, you know what I mean? And they like can't see straight. And it's interesting that there's actual reasoning behind that. Yeah, you are activating your receptors in a different way. And so you build different tolerance to it, essentially. Although, honestly, blunts and joints, like there is like waste, like, right, like the smoke is going sure. off the side. And True. there's, you know, so there's, there's some, um, like a dilution or like a decrease of the molecules that you get in since like, you know, you're not puffing it literally the whole entire, you're not chiefing it's, it. It's probably whole. a less efficient means of consuming sure. what you've rolled up. But Without a doubt, it's the best rolling. And you can be honest, you roll a good blunt and people acknowledge it when you're smoking with them. It feels yeah. good. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that was, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I mean, the unique, uh, the unique effects thing though, is what we're super passionate about because we want like to bring options uh, to the table that, that don't exist. Otherwise, I mean, not everyone can smoke. Um, and even since start, starting to do this research, I mean, um, it's, there are pros and cons. I don't want to demonize it. I still, we, we still smoke also every day, every day. So, I mean, it's not like that stopped us from, from doing what we do, but, um, it is true without a doubt that like, I, it would be advantageous to be able to have edibles, um, and to create different options and different experiences because we're all different. And actually each of us, even though we all have an endocannabinoid system, even though we all have CB1 receptors, we all have these components and these pieces in our brains. Mm -hmm. um, we are all different. We all have different levels of these receptors, different levels of these molecules in our brains. That's one of the reasons why we all benefit from different things. And right now, <clears throat> what's the product diversity that's out there is um, also starting to explode and be awesome. And I'm, I'm very happy for that, depending on like which market you're in. Um, but that I think the balanced formulations, having, having way more uh, numbers of different molecules present all at the same time, uh, this has a different benefit and it has, it's something that is not yet explored and that we're passionate about talking about because it's a medical value. Um, not that it can't be used for fun. I think it could easily be like well, used for experience. Our trademark is we smoked it for you, which is <laughs> was supposed to be provocative and fun, but it, it's serious. I mean, to me, Abby's point, not everybody can smoke. There's about 50, 60 million Americans alone that have chronic respiratory conditions that maybe can't smoke or shouldn't smoke or have serious concerns about smoking. But like the majority of people that prefer the effects of smoking might benefit from the therapeutic profile of smoking. So our ability to capture that chemical fingerprint, which is that strain specific and that chemical fingerprint that you would get from your favorite strain or whatever it is you're smoking, you know, that is uh, a unique value proposition that we're serious about. It's fun and it's provocative, but it's serious. Could you now marry the two smoking and edibles, put something that feels more like smoking into an edible. And it's not just about onset. It's about literally what you're consuming, that chemical profile, put it into a fashion that you could, you know, leverage in another way, and another I mean, administration method. Not just not just edibles too, but topicals. So, like for another example, for topicals are a great example for this, just because I'm obsessed with them, and they and I think that they're an undervalued use of cannabis for chronic mm -hmm. pain, um, and inflammation, and GI stuff. 
and like headaches and migraines and like a whole bunch of things. But topicals actually deliver more molecules right at the site of action because they absorb directly. So like if you smoke or you eat an edible, all of the cannabinoids are going to be in your blood and then they go from your blood to your brain or from your, from your blood to like your joints or whatever. Um, but topicals are all absorbed like locally. They're absorbed where you put them on. So in terms of delivering like a high concentration of the molecules that are in smoke to like say your hands. And I'm just saying this because like I have like early signs of arthritis in my hands. I play guitar and I do a lot of things with my hands, uh, but like I definitely notice it the most when I play guitar. And um, you know, it, it's important to be able to have that option. It's an enabling, it's basically, it enables the option to do that and to lit, to deliver the complex formulation that otherwise wouldn't be able to get into that form to like a localized area and have different effects. And we're actually really excited about the feedback. So initially, like, you know, we started this, it's been what, three years? Is it been? Yeah. And so, you know, in the beginning, it was literally us smoking our own stuff. Like, literally, like, Literally and figuratively. <laughs> Literally and figuratively, but it was also us using our things for our own problems. Yeah. Um, and like saying like, this has a lot of promise and we have a, a list of issues between the two of us and our wives and our families. And, um, you know, it, that was really promising. It was really, really promising. But what's been super exciting this past year has been seeing what we can do for our community and seeing that it translates further out to people who have problems that are um, tangential to us, but like similar problems to the problems that we have, probably similar mechanisms underlying them, mm -hmm. but different, um, different like symptoms or different diagnoses really. And, you know, in my opinion, that's because almost everything comes down to inflammation and, you know, we all live such inflammatory lifestyles and cannabis is, a super powerful anti-inflammatory. And if you can harness the unique combination of molecules that are in smoke, there are hundreds of them there. There are unique combinations of those that may work together in a way that is better than by the way by themselves. Important to recognize as well. There are things in smoke that are not in the plant or any other kind of extract. So there are unique components of smoke that lend themselves to the, the difference of the feelings and, and whatnot hmm. as well. That's, that's our, that's our, that's our niche. right? And there, if, so. and if you really, and without, I'm going to stop because I can't get into <laughs> like too much of like receptor dynamics and like enzyme dynamic. It's like what basically what these molecules do uh, also, ho hopefully I'm going to explain this. Well, when these molecules go into our bodies, they are interacting with receptors. They're interacting with enzyme targets. They are touching these targets in our bodies and they change them. They actually change the shape hmm. and that's how they cause the effect. THC comes in and it changes the shape of the receptor and that causes the effects. Now, when you have hundreds of molecules that are similar in shape to THC and CBD, they're coming in, they're competing with one another for the same spot and they're changing the shape a little bit different. And that slight difference, you know, that's a piece of why edibles feel different from smoking. It's a piece of why there's strain specificity. It's a piece of why there's these unique effects. And we're, we are not at the point yet of being able to say anything definitive about any of this, other than we know that these really complicated formulations, they lead to unique effects. At least I know that qualitatively from the community and just in my own personal experience, um, no one would be able to tell me that it doesn't exist because statistically mm -hmm. it's almost impossible that it wouldn't. 
I mean, statistically, the number of molecules that are in smoke, it's impossible that it wouldn't make a difference to the pharmacology, to like, to the way that those molecules then go on to interact with them. And um, I don't want to go too deep into how we study it in science, but it's it's almost impossible to study, which is why we don't talk about it too much. And and that's like, you know, on that topic of the difference between edible, the high of edibles and smoking, right? Like, I, I think that's something any experienced consumer, you know, not just smoker, but consumer will, will attest to, right? Like I know for me personally, edibles are a little bit more sluggish. They definitely have uh, the possibility of putting me to sleep. Whereas like smoke, I, you know, I, 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 I might find relaxing benefits of smoking, but even, you know, the heaviest of Indica's that doesn't really like make me take a, you know, a cush nap these days, but like edibles, I'll be like watching a movie late at night and I'll just like wake up at 4am on the couch. Like, damn, I don't even know what I was watching, <laughs> but also with like edibles, my eyes, you know, I feel like my eyes get so heavy and so red and there's no amount of visine to stop that as smoking, I don't know this point in my my life journey, you know, I don't really get red eyes from smoking. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like those what what are some of those differences beyond just, I guess, my my what I think personally between, you know, the high that is produced from an edible versus the high that is produced from smoking? Well, first and foremost, I feel very similar to you as far as more like lethargic and stuff from mm -hmm. edibles. I I like edibles too. I'm not like hating on edibles or anything like that. Just because we prefer smoking and our whole pitch is about smoking, smoking. I mean, we're making extracts so that you can make edibles <laughs> from the smoke. So, you know, we're not hating on smoking, but I will say, I mean, on edibles, but I will say this, you know, the recent craze of marketing CBN products for sleep, just to touch on that for one sec. Every time you smoke cannabis that has predominantly THC in it, you are consuming a significant amount of CBN every single time. Most of the profile is actually CBN. Uh, I mean, upwards of like 60-ish plus percent of it almost every time, no matter how you're smoking it. So as far as like feeling sluggish or, or tired or whatever, it's clearly not the CBN making you feel like you want to go to sleep because that's there every time you smoke. But the, the, the two major issues to to cover when it comes to smoking edibles is absorption and metabolism absorption mm -hmm. through the lungs versus the liver that contributes to onset how how long it's going to take to kick in and of course when you're eating thc or any kind of extract that's primarily thc or any edible i mean they're all measured in milligrams of thc and now you know got a few other cannabinoids in ratios to talk about you're metabolizing thc in your liver to 11 hydroxy which is more potent and more psychoactive and there's a other scientific factors that go into it as far as like the blood brain barrier and this and that, but you're going to feel different because of the way it's interacting with your body. And CBN, when you eat it as an edible also gets metabolized by the liver. So everything, pretty much everything that you eat as an edible will go through what is called first pass metabolism first and change it. But in addition to that, there's far less uh, less things present, even like RSO, which is like really complex. There's a lot of things in RSO. Um, but even RSO, like a majority of RSO is going to be like THC or CBD, depending on, you know, what flower mm. it was from. Versus when you smoke, like Andy was describing, you know, it transforms into a number of molecules that's more like a blanket. And so what you're feeling, that difference definitely 
definitely true. A difference in where it's absorbed because that mostly has to do with like the amount of time. Like edibles take a really long time depending on the person too. Cause like they have to go all the way through the stomach. You have to get broken down. Sometimes the oil has to be broken down by bile salts from the pancreas. And then this has to be absorbed in the small intestine. Like nano emulsifications and different ways to make it kick in quicker. So. Yep. And like nano emulsifications basically skip the bile section, but it still has to go all the way through. It still has to be absorbed. I mean, like it's faster, certainly. I guess in theory, sublingual would be like another fast way, but I don't know if something's wrong with my mouth. I have never gotten that to work. Like it's never, mm. it's never worked for me. Like, but the, the main difference that we talk about at least, which is an additional one, um, is just that when you smoke, you have way more uh, diversity of molecules that are present that are interacting with those receptors. And so similar to what you guys are saying about like edibles making you more tired, um, edibles give me intense anxiety and they give me cardiovascular effects, mm. um, which are possibly linked to one another because like, you know, your heart races when you're anxious. Like that's just, you know, something that, or and or if your heart is racing, you're going to feel anxious, right? I mean, like, there's <laughs> both of those things. Mitch, I got to ask you, do you know any friends or people in your life that have said they don't feel anything when they eat an edible? Yeah, I, I was going to ask that. There's multiple, I just was talking to a bud tender in Phoenix this last week who was like, oh, edibles don't really affect me. And it's not, I hear that from time to time for sure. Some people say I can't do it. And then some people are like, yeah, I can eat 500. Like, it doesn't really do anything for me. It's, um, this would be so interesting to look into because it's probably about 20% of the whole population. It's pretty significant. And it has to do with like either absorption or metabolism. And to my knowledge, no one has looked into it yet into like why um, that is the case. But some people make they their livers potentially metabolize it into something inactive, right? Mm. Instead of something active. Um, but that molecule is different. So I mean, if you're eating an edible, let's just do like the like one of the easiest examples would be like a distillate edible that's like 80 something percent THC in the distillate, like it's mostly just THC. So you eat the edible, it goes through, it gets broken down, it gets absorbed, then it gets um, metabolized in the liver and turned into 11 hydroxy. This one molecule 11 hydroxy will then go on and attach to the receptors. And let's say that when they bind to the receptors, the receptors light up like bright purple or something like that, right? It's like, woo, bright purple. So all of your receptors in your brain are lighting up bright purple and you have like a sea of bright purple going on in your brain. All right, that's edibles. When you smoke, you have that same THC. It doesn't turn into 11-hydroxy. Instead, it gets transformed into a number of things that are similar. It gets absorbed in the lungs and goes to your brain. When all of these different things touch the receptors, they don't light up to be that same shade of bright purple. Some of them are blue. Some of them are pink. Some of them are like some variations of this. Your brain is lit up in a bunch of a mosaic of a bunch of different mm -hmm. colors and a bunch of different things, and that has different effects. And so it's it's a difference of how and the uniformity that you are um, activating these receptors and causing these changes that then go on to feel different. And each of us, since we each have different bodies, different receptors, different receptor levels, that leads to different effects. So for you two, edibles make you tired. For me, edibles make me feel like my heart's about to burst out of my chest, right? I mean, that's, and it's the same molecule. That's 11-hydroxy pretty repeatably. Hmm. Um, but I'd argue that we probably all have more similar effects from smoking when we find the thing that we like to smoke, like specifically. And to a certain extent, I like smoking everything, to be honest, but I certainly gravitate toward, like 
most of us end up gravitating towards yeah. something. It's like, you're not going to turn something really nice down ever. And like good experiences. I think it's nice to like change things up also. Um, but you got to change it up. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, you smoke the same thing over and over again. It just doesn't do it for yeah. you anymore. Like, right. I like to change it up within like a very, I've been recently changing it up within like a very similar kind of like realm, <laughs> realm of realm of cannabis. But I, I agree that I think that like, I think that basically the mosaic though, of all of those different molecules lighting up your brain in a different way, like bunches of different colors, instead of just like one bright purple light, um, that that difference in feeling then let's say you take a different strain and you smoke a different strain. That one's pinker in general. There's yeah. more pink ones or you smoke a different strain. And then are, you know, those are a little bit more blue in one part of your brain. We don't know this yet. This is all theory. This is like, this is just like what would be, what would make sense to, what would make sense to happen based on like our knowledge of like chemical equilibriums and like all, like all the theory of how these molecules go on to, to interact with us yeah. and and i was going to ask about that about the strain specific right when you were describing the mosaic i was like i bet different strains will have the different colors right and that's where you see you know again whether we're looking at the, the old school indica versus sativa or the new school people talk about different terpene profiles or whatever it's clear that and again it, it is different for every person but there are different effects you know different cannabis is going to be good you know better for certain people for certain you know, desired effects, desired times of day activities or things like that. And so when it comes to edibles, right, like that's something that I see just from the outside looking in. I'm not I don't make edibles, but, you know, strain specific is starting to become a marketing keyword. But a lot of times we see that on edibles made with dissolute. And like, as you explain, right, when you make dissolute, you strip primarily everything besides THC. So like in my again, from the outside looking in is like, what is the importance of a strain if we're really just taking the THC? Is the T if we're just taking THC, is that look very different from strain to strain? And then I guess so just curious kind of your thoughts on strain specific edibles. And then two, for you guys in the smoke and all product of of extracting through smoke, which you you know, I'm sure every strain unlocks a completely different profile. So I'm curious kind of that that what does strain specific look like traditionally? And then using smoke and smoke and all the the method, what does strain specific mean or vary through that through that method? This is an excellent question that we may not have a good answer for, but not yet. <laughs> so I just first, when you ask this, I have to preface with, I obviously have bias. I'm a flower person. I've been growing for years and I have my preferences for the strains I like and, you know, been pheno hunting for a long time for characteristics I like, but me and my wife who used to have the same preferences. Now, if we smoke the same thing, She's like running around the house, cleaning the cleaning products and I'm asleep on the couch or whatever, vice versa. We, you know, we're producing the same chemical profile or that same strain specific fingerprint, so to speak, when we smoke, whatever it is. But now these days we have like totally opposite effects. So the profile may not necessarily just equal like so simply effects for a person that, you know, we want effects driven marketing these days, but the strain specific profile does still exist. It's the chemical profile that you're getting from it. So, you know, for me personally, I like, I like, you know, sativas. I like AK 47 and Jack rare things that aren't really that popular in dispensaries these days. Unfortunately, I'd love to see somebody start growing this stuff around here, but you know, 
that's what I'm going for, for my uplifted, clear-headed, creative juices flowing, socializing, that kind of thing, or going for a hike or a run or whatever it might be. But again, now I see my wife and I have totally opposite effects from the same things that we used to feel the same from. So it's complicated, but, and not to shamelessly self-promote here or anything, like the point of what we're doing is to capture that unique profile that you would only get from smoking that thing, however it makes you feel, as opposed to the traditional methods, which by the way, we're not here to replace traditional extraction methods or anything like that. It's a new thing. It's in addition to simple, it's easy, but you know, we're going after that huge array of compounds, not just purifying a couple of things, specifically not just THC, because truthfully, we are degrading or transforming the THC when we use our process anyways. So it's 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 kind of complicated. I wish it were simpler, but I think we're inching closer to strain specific effects mm. or at least profiles with with the kind of method that we're using. I mean, full spectrum as well, but there's only so many things in the full spectrum. We're transforming all those things. So, and I mean, at, at a certain point, we're not going to be able to replicate absorption in the lungs versus like it passing through the liver. Um, there's still going to be differences there, but our point is to get closer. And when it comes to like the opinion about strain specific edibles, um, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. It's just that it's very, very complicated. And when it comes to like traditional extraction methods, um, they look largely similar, right? I mean, because um, a lot of the changes or the nuances that come from smoking don't exist in really, really cold, freezing cold, supercritical CO2 or an ice water bucket or whatever, right? I mean, if you, the profile of the flower is um, largely the difference would be terps, um, which are incredible and definitely are different, but I'm not sure I know enough or I've seen enough about metabolism of terpenes, absorption of terpenes, um, because like we eat terpenes in every single food product that mm. we eat. Every single herb that's on your shelf has terps. Many of them are the terpenes that are present in cannabis, like rosemary, eucalyptus, like mint, like all, like you name it, like any of the, like basil, any of the herbs that we have in our kitchen, they have terpenes in them. That's why they smell the way they do largely. And that's why, I mean, I, along with other, other molecules, but that that's just my point about strain specificity through edibles alone is that, um, I'm not sure. And I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's, it, that it's not possible. It's just that we also take in terpenes just in massive amounts mm -hmm. in, in our food all the time. Um, and I, I know that I haven't, I mean, people say that about mangoes and I have yet to, well, <laughs> I have yet to notice by, that. By the way, even though we're, we're crazy about flour over here, to be clear, we can smoke anything that is smokable with our process. So we can take that distillate that somebody made. We can smoke that. We can mm. smoke it rolled in hash, throw it on a blunt, throw it all in there. We can smoke it all. And it actually is slightly different too. If people want to see that, we have a public video on our on our YouTube channel that was a presentation from um, the International Cannabinoid Research Symposium of last year. Andy and I presented a poster, and there's like a video, a short video version of it. If people want to go see actually what the what the differences look like, they're they're there. We go from isolate and distillate. We do flower, um, and you can see the difference in the starting material. Actually, the starting material looks kind of comparable because the flower is really, really high in general in one cannabinoid, usually THCA mm -hmm. or CBDA. Um, or now CBGA is a fairly common uh, additional type of, of flower that it would be high in. 
Um, and you know, that's one thing. And the smoke is actually not high in anything. It's actually medium in a lot of things. Um, if that's a, a good way of putting it, it's a, it's all about the ratios, the relative ratios to, to one another. And yeah, we're not, I mean, our, what, what we're passionate about is not about saying that even our thing that we do is better than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's different and that there's a population, certainly at least amongst like, um, anti-inflammatory and chronic pain population and sleep and anxiety, medical, essentially medical population to people um, that would benefit from having additional options or additional innovation in the realm of cannabis in a way that is less focused on one or two molecules and more focused on a, a bigger variety. Yeah. And I mean, even obviously the research you guys are doing, it, I feel like is impactful and can be educational past even the products you guys are using, right? Like every time I've talked to you guys, I'm starting to learn something about edibles or smoking, right? Whether it's using the smoking all product or not. And, but I'm curious on, on the smoking all product, obviously you guys heat it up to a certain point, point that produces smoke. How do you then capture that? And then what is that end product that you take that is then infused into whether it's a topical or 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 put into you know edibles what, what does that infuse what does that extract look like and how is it different handling that as opposed to like you know your co2 or bho or something like that it is actually incredibly similar because as andy mentioned the lung our filter selectively captures the molecules out of the smoke and i and then all the smoke goes through and gets yes. vented we're not capturing all of the things in smoke uh, we what? don't we don't touch on the negatives of smoking for a few reasons, namely that most, if not all of the research prior to us has been about what's harmful or negative about smoking. There's good stuff in there that there's a reason why so many people prefer it. We're interested in that. So we selectively harvest or capture the compounds that we identify as beneficial, like cannabinoids and terpenes and stuff out of the smoke. It's really simple. We use regular vacuum ovens and vacuum pumps. So it's a very low barrier to entry for you know, a, a processor to get into this. And here's a fun fact. This is not in the peer reviewed literature or anything mm -hmm. like that. Preface that for the people that will try to point at me and say, nope, you're crazy. But I said this to you last time we spoke, Mitch, it's bizarre, but at about 420 degrees Fahrenheit on the money, every time the smoke starts to happen, <laughs> it's bizarre. I mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with the story of 420, but pretty much right on the money, 420, Fahrenheit smoke happens. And so in our, in our products, we do, we do distill, we use like a short path kit and I take like a really, really wide band for anyone who's like familiar with that, trying to get like a wide array and not necessarily just like one specific molecule. Cause we're trying to get a lot of molecules. Uh, and it handles pretty comparably to any other distillate. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cannabis, it's a cannabis extract. I mean, even the crude is a cannabis extract as well. It, it looks like it, right? Like RSO or mm -hmm. I mean, or an ethanol crude. But from, from start to finish to give you the, the life cycle of the process, take a smokable product, whether it's flour, biomass could be failed material. Even it doesn't matter what it is. Distillate extract, hash, whatever, throw it all on at the same time, put it in an oven, crank up the temperature past 420 and capture this extract that we call smoke and all this cannabis smoke extract in the filter. Then the filter is rinsed out with a small amount of food grade ethanol. Um, that's rotavapt and you're good to go. It's activated and ready to go out of the back of the uh, filter. There's no need for further purification processes or anything like that. Although you could do any of those things for anyone out there listening 
that's interested in trying to manufacture something like this. It's, it's really very simple. It takes no time at all. A run might last about an hour, hour and 10 hour and 20 minutes. And that's that it's just right out of the back of the oven. There's also a big portion of this. That's totally solventless. The extraction itself is solventless. We only use heat, but since we're using a small amount of food grade ethanol to rinse the filter, we don't like to say that it's solventless because that's a solvent and it's involved, but there sure. is a substantial portion of the extraction that is completely solventless in a, in a separate portion as well. That's um, a, a pressure change, so to speak, where we collect a completely 100% solventless portion of this extract as well. And how, what, what you said is a pretty good yield. What, what is the yield uh, comparatively to, you know, running, running CO2 or BHO or something like that? It's 100% smoking off. <laughs> well, it, it definitely depends a lot on input material. That's probably like the most important factor. Sure. But um, on top of that, I mean, if, if someone is interested in that, they should email us and we should talk. We should well, talk. No, we should talk. Numbers. It's a complicated question to answer because our extraction efficiencies, like a lot of the people out there that are familiar with this, it's not about capturing THC or about capturing CBN. So mm. we're not going after one particular thing that was in mm. the input material. It's this fingerprint. So I joke saying it's 100% smoke and all, but as far as the efficiency, it is 100% smoke and all. It's this smoke profile that we're capturing, but by yield, it's pretty, pretty good. I mean, think about it this way. After you're done burning something in your bowl or your, your blunt or your joint or whatever, there's no cannabinoids left. They're all gone. There's nothing left in the waste material. It's all in the filter or in the extract. So the... It's really dependent on your input material. If you've hmm. got a 20% THC input material, you're going to have a pretty close to a 20% yield there. I know that sounds crazy. I'd love for people to call us and say, wait, I want to prove you wrong. We'd love to work with you, whoever you are, but <laughs> it's it's comparable to what's there. We're going to capture what's there and transform some. So You're not hmm. going to be able to capture what's not there. Yes, correct. <laughs> I, guess yes, that's, yeah. I guess that's the way, the way to put it. But this is the best and the worst question that we get asked because – it sounds like we're just making stuff up as we go here because it's we're not going after just one thing. So it's, yeah, well, it is a new type of extract, so it is a new uh, a new way of quantifying, I suppose. Sure. Because uh, even when it comes to dosages, right? Like when it comes to dosing and thinking about dosing by total active cannabinoids, um, you know, it's. It's, it is different. We've had people to actually, this has been really, we've just had a lot of feedback from uh, now that we've been like um, self-experimentation, experimentation in the community. And uh, there's been some really cool, <laughs> some really cool, really awesome cool. feedback about tolerance, about like mixing with other uh, products, like to get different effects by mixing them together. Even our hemp, even our hemp products, which on their own do have a feeling of sorts that mm -hmm. I don't want to mislead people. It is hemp. It's mostly CBD. Um, actually, I, I, to my knowledge, there's no detectable THC in them. Or that's, the, that's the profound naturals products. This, uh, this and as well. and they, they themselves have a feeling or whatever. But um, what's super interesting to me is how they alter and change the profile of THC. All of us, since we've started doing that, have changed our habits. Not because of like, not consciously. It's not necessarily like a conscious change of habit. It is that the combination of that effect like will lead to a different effect that means that maybe you just need a bit less or or so it seems at mm -hmm. least also i don't want you to think we're avoiding your question about the yield totally it's just it is complicated right down to protocol you know we talked about different smoking methods produce different effects and different profiles mm -hmm. same kind of thing if you tweak your protocol with temperature and time and 
moisture content and pressure and things like that, it impacts positively or negatively, depending on what you're going for, your yields with the process. So not avoiding the question. It's it's a really important and interesting question. It's just we have Excel spreadsheets for days. <laughs> <laughs> There's historic data to to answer the question. All right. Yes. No, I no, I got you. No, no, and, and I appreciate that. And it makes total sense, right? When you're looking at that, you know, I understand that when you say like, what's the yield? If it's not, if you're looking for THC, you could answer that, right? Specifically, but you're not looking for just that. It's a little bit more. Um, if we're looking for THC, it's a bad yield. Okay. <laughs> it's just like when you're smoking, you're you're transforming most of it. So. There's a there are there is THC that is present, uh, but THC is a sensitive molecule to I mostly to dehydrogenation, turning it into CBN or cannabinol, and then further. Um, as opposed to CBD is more stable, actually, at, at temperatures. I mean, they, they both transform, but um, THC appears to be way more sensitive. And then on that, too, we were talking about that, you know, how, how you guys haven't quite got there, but in, in just your early test or looking at it, right, burning different strains and, and looking at that, the profile, I assume, looks pretty different from strain to strain. I, we, we need to be able to, so what I would love to be able to do is do it on a production level, because yeah. I think that that's different from the research level and the research scale and different to repeat. Um, and I would love to be able to do it on a production schedule, like, like scale, mostly because I would like to feel the effects of that production scale to be able to like more clearly state that we think that that happens. Um, I think that it's, there is going to be variations it's it's i'm not it's not clear whether or not that variability is going to be easily detectable or not because a, a lot of these things that we're looking at are not like routine um screening essentially mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, it has to do with like whether or not it will be something that is easy for us to piece apart which maybe it will be which would be awesome um, or if it's going to take like more extensive research, more time and like more expensive analytical equipment or different partnerships, et cetera. Yeah, it's definitely like a conversation for us to have with an academic institution or somebody that has like a ton of sensitive equipment and can look at a lot more than whatever mm -hmm. our local analytical lab for a cannabis has in standards. I think the most in Massachusetts is only like 19 or 20 standards. Half of those at least are acidic forms of, you know, it's like CBDA and CBD. It's so it's really only like, you know, 12 or something like that. But there's, we know, 100 plus in the plant. I mean, this is an issue with analytical labs in general in cannabis. It's there's a lack of standards and the mm -hmm. methods can get expensive and time consuming. And well, they're not, they're not set up. Most of them are not set up to do research, right? I mean, most of it isn't research, it's high throughput. It is how many samples can you get through. Right. Um, repeatably and reproducibly and in the right amount of time, like a research sample might take upwards of a few days to like isolate, fractionate, move, like to get enough together to then like go on to study it, to look at it versus like in two different ways, three different ways. Um, you know, this is something that like, it can't be done for every sample. It's not logical at this, at this yeah. point in time. Um, uh, eventually that would be great to get there if technology were to increase or if like accessibility to the labs were to increase. Yeah. We want to find somebody that's willing to do what you just asked on a production level. You know, we've worked with people in the industry on smaller projects and things like that, dipping our toes in the water here and there with folks to show them what we're doing. 
And it's more getting comfortable with the SOP than it is with experimenting, making mm-hmm. new products and that kind of thing. But not unique to us when you're in extraction technology. Primarily, the inputs are biomass or failed materials or things that people don't want to sell as smokable products or as higher end products. And that's what you've got to work with. So it's a it's a it's a process trying to convince somebody to use their their high quality smokable flour for extraction Mm -hmm. in general, let alone hey, let's go make a bunch of this and a bunch of that and use all your, I mean, your smokable flour that you want to sell. It's going to be certainly different than, like, different. than like sugar leaves yeah. and stem. Yeah. Like, I mean, anyone who smokes sugar leaves and stuff, I mean, right? I mean, it's, it's that's, that's yes. a different effect as smoking well. Smoking trim feels different than smoking flour. Of so course. Feel, yeah. feels, feels gross. <laughs> it, it feels like an immature market where, you know, they can get away with throwing trim and pre-rolls until, uh, until consumers don't allow that. I thought that was a secret. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was my first, my first recreational experience in Washington state. I bought a pre-roll, lit it up and was like, they put trim in this man. Like, I cannot believe that, you know, but that was the start of it. And I, I remember back in the day making edibles out of trim and, uh, you know, throwing away a lot of trim because I, I don't know, I respect myself more than to smoke that. <laughs> <laughs> I've smoked my own trim many a time, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I tend to stay away from the, the pre-roll deals for that, for that fact. And it's unfortunate, but it is true. I mean, it's generally the stuff that was basically on the floor. Yeah. No, no offense to anyone making awesome pre-rolls out there, but I have not run into one yet. Yeah, they're, they're few, few and far between. Um, what, 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 what else do you guys, what else does Smoke and All have on the horizon for the rest of 2022 and beyond? Well, one of the things that, I mean, at least I'm super passionate about is about our education. Like we put out a lot of free material on cannabis and on helping other people to understand more about their cannabis use, the endocannabinoid system. And actually we just recorded a podcast on smoking because that is what we're passionate about and what we research. And um, I and we actually re- like recently within, uh, I think it was like a month or two ago, uh, published a chapter, uh, myself and the other scientists on our team published a chapter on how hemp specifically, uh, hemp pharmacology, could be revolutionary and how hemp has, it, it basically breaks down all of the different parts of hemp, all the different molecules in hemp and the endocannabinoid system. And Andy and I are about to be, uh, it's in it's under review. We have a publication under review about CMT, um, which is Charcot Marie Tooth, which is a hereditary um, neuropathy that is actually it's CMT Awareness Month this month. And it's uh, it's rare, and it, the data showed really promising things yeah, for cannabis. There's no treatment options besides basically just heavy doses of opioids and things mm-hmm. like that for pain management, whatever. It's this population of people is desperate for information about other things they could use, like cannabis. A lot of them do use cannabis, but their neurologists and the people they work with in whatever state they're from may or may not agree with it. So it's it's huge for us that we had this like milestone paper. It's the first of its kind ever about CMT and HMPP and inherited neuropathies in general and cannabis use. So that's huge. That's coming out soon. And we just believe in like trying to lift up our community and our people and everyone else out there. And that is using cannabis for like any, for any reason, really. Um, But in terms of like 
putting things out there in the universe that are helping people. We have some really exciting things on the horizon of what we're going to share uh, because we would we all feel really passionately here that this information shouldn't be kept from the public. There are barriers to entry for science. There are barriers to entry for research. There, I mean, scientific papers can sometimes cost $40 to read a paper. Uh, in addition to that, it's just, you know, the most expensive thing about science is the privilege of being able to understand it mm. and to be able to have it explained to you in a way that makes sense and is applicable to your life. And, you know, we're all really passionate here about um, helping to bridge that, that gap and then simultaneously provide options for people who want to experiment more um, with unique combinations, unique ratios, unique products. Yeah, we've got some patents pending that we hope to announce positive news about at some point. That'll be exciting. And we've got some papers coming out. We've got uh, R&D projects in other markets other than Massachusetts. So we hope to see some smoke and all products rolling out into markets somewhere closer to you guys. Shout out to the people on the West Coast that want to work with us at some point here and, and put something out. We're excited to do that. But yeah, the, the name of the game for us right now and in the immediate future is Profound Naturals. We see it on the wall up here. Shameless self-promotion again. It's our hemp smoke product. We're legally allowed to work with it. We've got a license from the Department of Agriculture here to work with hemp, which we were already doing for research. But now we can sell products. And I mean, so I'm this is our first year doing that. I'm like extremely biased, like literally just wrote a chapter on it. But I think that hemp is completely undervalued in its mm. medical value for cannabis. But the reason why I think it's undervalued is because most people think about hemp products. They think about like CBD isolate that's sold at Whole Foods or, at, or sure. whatever, right? Like isolate products, which nothing wrong with those. Not saying that there's like anything wrong with CBD isolate products, but just that they are different um, and that they're certainly different from the stuff that we create. And that I think that hemp has huge therapeutic value. I'm extremely biased about this just because like I, it changed forever when I started incorporating hemp in addition to THC. Mm. I don't use them on their own like ever anymore. I always use them together. Uh, I think that THC is extremely beneficial. I think that the positive medicinal benefits of THC can be vastly improved upon by the other molecules that are present. And so I'm really excited about that because that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a baby. It's a whole nother thing, but well, not like a child, but. hopefully we'll be seeing you in 2022 as well. When you <laughs> yeah, come to yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the plan. Come out, come out and see what you guys are doing. You know, we got to burn, burn something, you know, we can nerd out about smoking, but we got to get, get in the same room and, and, and enjoy it together. You know, we can smoke in the lab professionally and then yeah, we'll smoke some. Yeah. Out. I, I, I got <laughs> I, I want, I want to see the process. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, I really appreciate you guys' time hopping on here. Um, you know, for anyone out there that wants more information, smokingall.com at smoking all on Instagram, anywhere else you guys want to plug. Uh, our products are at profoundnaturals.com and we ship everywhere in the U S and pretty much could guarantee that our hands are touching it. If you're, <laughs> if you're going to try it out. So, you know, yeah, you're looking at two fifths of the team right here. So small, small family business, small uh, batch, small batch creations. Uh, everything is like hand produced with also, love. We, we also do a podcast called smoke and science. So if anybody's interested in like the, the depths of the the tangents that we like to go on, we get pretty in in detail on the science there. So, and thank you so much, Mitch. This was awesome. Yeah, this is been so looking much forward fun. to this for a while. So, yeah, pumped, uh, honored to be a part of this. We've watched a lot of this in the last six months, anyways. So, thank you, seriously.
Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you guys on here again. You know, I know I know we were, you know, zooming a couple weeks ago. And so, you know, I, I definitely look forward to any chat that we're going to have and definitely look forward to, to catching up with you guys in person and, and out, out in mass. Excellent. Awesome. awesome. See you soon. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast. We will be back with more content this week. We're traveling around the country looking at the best in legal cannabis and beyond. As we just mentioned, we'll be out. The RMR team will be out in Massachusetts here a little bit later this month, reporting on some of the cultivation facilities, the dispensary, visiting these guys, checking out this smoking all extraction process and some other stuff, man. So stay tuned for more content and we'll be back later.